0: This past weekend, Warren Buffett released his annual letter to Berkshire Hathaway shareholders. And in this video, I'm going to cover what I think are the seven big takeaways from that letter. Hey everybody, my name is Rob Berger. This is the Financial Freedom Show, where I talk about investing, retirement and financial freedom. If those topics are important to you, I encourage you to subscribe to the channel. I also send out a free newsletter every Sunday morning. You can check that out with the link below this video. I want to dive right into it. So he sends out a, an annual letter to shareholders. I'll put a link to his most recent letter. Uh, below this video. Now, full disclosure, I do own shares of Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, Whether you own shares of Berkshire or not, however, I really encourage you to read his letters. I think they just have a lot of excellent wisdom when it comes to investing and, frankly, achieving financial freedom. And so I've got seven big takeaways from the most recent letter, so I want to dive right into it. And the first is, and he talks a lot about this over, uh, over the years, but that's the power of compounding. And what he did in this video is actually gave two concrete examples uh, to show us. And it had to do with Berkshire Hathaway's investment in two companies, Coke, Coca-Cola, and American Express. I'll just focus on Coca-Cola for our purposes today. And in the letter, he sort of walked through, he said, look, we sort of completed our purchases of shares of Coca-Cola all the way back in 1994. So that was what, almost 30 years ago. Is that math right? Yeah, that's right. And at the time they paid about $1.3 billion for those shares. And then those shares generated about $75 million a year in dividends. So fast forward to today, they've been very patient investors. They they invested, uh, kept their investments through good times and bad at Coca-Cola, right? So today, what's their investment worth? Well, it started at 1.3 billion. Today it's worth 25 billion. Dividends, it pays out over $700 million a year in dividends uh, to Berkshire Hathaway. So think about that. Today, it earns more than half in dividends than its original investment. And I like the fact that, that Mr. Buffett does this because it's one thing to talk about the power of compounding and how important it is, but he's actually putting numbers to it and showing you uh, a specific example. Yes, he's talking about billions and millions. Probably we're not talking about numbers quite that big, but the concept is still the same. That's where real wealth comes from, the compounding Uh, from your investments. If you check out his letter, you'll also see some numbers as it relates to American Express. That's number one. Now, number two is closely related to the power of compounding, and that is the power of long-term investing. And I'll I'll sort of add to that the power of patient investing, something that Warren Buffett's talked about a lot uh, over the years. I want to read something from his letter. And this was after he walked through a lot of the numbers uh, with Coca-Cola and Amex. He said, look, the lesson for investors the weeds wither away in significance as the flowers bloom meaning the the good investments bloom over time it takes just a few winters to work wonders and yes it helps to start early and live into your 90s as well he's 92 his, his business partner charlie munger's 99. it really takes long-term thinking to harness the power of compounding i kind of view trying to watch your your investments compound is a lot like trying to watch a tree grow you know in the days weeks months even years if you're just watching it all the time not much is going to happen but you know go away for a decade and come back and you won't believe what you see it just seems like a totally different uh tree or uh wealth and and over over time the compounding sort of acts like a snowball just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and eventually what you find is that you're compounding more wealth from your investments than you're actually making and contributing to your investments. It just takes time. So that's number two. The third takeaway, remember, we've got seven. The third one, really important, he talks about share buybacks. That's when a company goes out into the public markets and buys back its own shares. It's something that a lot of companies do. And he talks about that. He's talked about it in the past. And his view is, I think, fairly straightforward. As long as companies aren't overpaying, to buy back their own shares, meaning they're buying them, say, at or below what he would call their intrinsic value, then share buybacks are great. It's a great way to allocate capital. And it's great for those remaining shareholders, because as they buy those shares back and retire them, uh, those that still hold on to their shares now own a larger slice uh, of the company. But what was interesting to me, he did something in this letter that I've never seen him do before, and and that is... He took a shot at those. He didn't mention anyone by name, but those that are starting to criticize buybacks. And I've seen this a lot more recently. In fact, I'm sure you've read about the terrible tragedy in Ohio, my home state, uh, involving uh, the railroad. And there have actually been some folks that say, look, part of why that happened was because the railroad's buying back shares instead of spending money on safety. Now, Warren Buffett didn't get into that specific issue. I will just say... That the railroad, I even went and looked at their balance sheet, has plenty of cash. If they should have spent more on safety, and I don't know that they should have, I guess investigations will will figure that out. Uh, but they had plenty of cash to do it if they wanted to. Buybacks certainly didn't keep them from for spending more money uh, on safety. But the the real point is is that buybacks are getting blamed for just about everything that seems to go wrong in corporate America. And here is what Warren Buffett said: I've I've never seen him this. I, I guess critical, if you will, on the viewpoint uh, that buybacks are a bad thing. He said, when you are told that all repurchases are harmful to shareholders or to the country or particularly beneficial to CEOs, you are listening to either an economic illiterate, that's really strong language for Warren Buffett. If Charlie Munger had said that I'd, yeah, that sounds like something Charlie would say, but for Warren Buffett, that's strong language. Or a silver-tongued demagogue, characters that are not mutually exclusive. And he was holding nothing back. He's not saying all buybacks are good. Those that spend more than they should per share, that are overpaying uh, f- to buy back those shares, he said, yeah, that's not good for shareholders. Uh, but if they're if they're paying a reasonable price to buy back their shares, he thinks it's a really good thing for companies to do. So that's in his. Uh, most recent letter. That's number three. Uh, Number four, and again, he didn't put it in quite these words, but basically what what he said, as I interpreted it, is this. Owning shares of Berkshire is is probably, as a company, it's probably best understood as owning, frankly, an extremely low-cost, large-cap U.S. mutual fund. So why do I say that from the letter? Well, let me read you what he says. He goes through, he says, look, there's about 5,000 publicly traded companies, uh 500 of them of course make up the S&P 500 he used 2021 data that was the most recent that he had he said of those 500 about 100 and 128 uh in 2021 earned at least 3 billion dollars or more 128 companies here was the interesting thing though he said look if we look at berkshire he said we own uh we are the largest shareholder in eight of those companies here they are american express uh Bank of America, so there's two financial companies, Chevron, of course, an energy company, Coca-Cola, HP, a tech company, Moody's, Occidental Petroleum, and Paramount Global. And then he went on to say, look, we also own whole companies, two of which, if they were publicly traded as individual standalone companies, they too would have made uh, and did make more than $3 billion in 2021. One was BNSF, a railroad, and the other an energy company, BH Energy. His point was, we are a large, uh, diverse company. We have businesses in, in um, many different industries. Uh, and so in that sense, he didn't compare Berkshire to a large cap mutual fund company. That's Those are my words, but effectively, that's how I see Berkshire. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go out and buy shares of Berkshire. Owning uh, an index fund I think is is perfectly appropriate, but when I made my investment in Berkshire many years ago, that was my sort of thinking at the time. It's like owning a large cap U.S.-focused mutual fund uh, that doesn't effectively have any expense ratios. And so I think that's a good way to think about Berkshire. And if you read the letter, and he's got more details here, it really is a well-diversified uh, company. It certainly has some concentrations in insurance and energy, no, no no question about that, and financials. But it still is a really well-diversified uh, company, unlike just about every other public company uh, in, in the market all right uh, so number five Berkshire pays a truckload in taxes and, and, and this was interesting because with the buybacks it almost seemed to me he was sort of responding to 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 politicians many of whom are are, are Democrats not all of them many of them are Democrats who who are very opposed to buybacks I I, I mentioned that only because Warren Buffett himself is a Democrat. Uh, Now he seems to be taking aim at those that that, um, I think claim that corporations aren't paying their fair share in taxes. And what he pointed out was, he said in the decade ending in 2021, the Treasury received, ready for this, $32 billion in taxes. Uh, They spent, unfortunately, just under $44 billion. He didn't go into, you know, a lot uh, in terms of what are the consequences of our annual deficits and our debts, but he did say this. He said, huge and entrenched fiscal deficits have consequences, but that really wasn't his point. He want, what he really wanted to show was how much Berkshire is contributing to all of those revenues. He said in that same period, Berkshire paid about $32 billion in taxes. It's about one tenth of 1% of that amount. And he said, look, if we had a thousand taxpayers that paid what we did, that's all the that would equal all the revenue that the government collected. We, we could, we, you know, no one else would have to pay any taxes. Wouldn't that be nice? His point, of course, wasn't that that's what's going to happen, but rather uh, corporate America generally. But in, in this case, Berkshire in particular, is is paying their f- fair share. And he, he went through an interesting exercise about uh, if you stacked $100 bills, uh, how how large would that stack be if, if you stacked them up to equal $1 million? Any idea? $100 bills stacked up to a million. How high would that be he said it it would reach your chest if you go to a billion it reaches about three quarters of a mile high in the sky if you go to 32 billion 21 miles high he was just trying to i think in his own way uh give some idea of the scope of 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 the amount of taxes that berkshire has paid Um, and then he kind of concludes he says when it comes to federal taxes individuals who own berkshire can unequivocally state quote i gave it the office So uh, really just a point that says, look, corporate America is contributing. I don't want to get into the politics. Are they paying enough? Should they pay more? I think as I read uh, Warren Buffett's letter, I think what he's saying is, look, we're happy to pay. We should pay, uh, but we're paying a lot, right? So that was uh, taxes. But then he said something else that I kind of related to the tax issue. And it was this, though. He said, owning Berkshire is a big bet on the future of America. Here's what he said. He said, at Berkshire, we hope and expect to pay much more in taxes during the next decade, which is just his way of saying we hope to be making more and more profits. Uh, And he says, we owe the country no less. America's dynamism has made a huge contribution to whatever success Berkshire has achieved, a contribution Berkshire will always need. We count on the American tailwind, and though it has been becalmed from time to time, its propelling force has always returned. And then he said, I've been investing for 80 years. Think about that. He's 92. So I guess he started when he was 12. Uh, More than one third of our country's lifetime, despite our citizens' penchant, almost enthusiasm for self-criticism and self-doubt, I have yet to see a time when it made sense to make a long-term bet against America. And I doubt very much that any reader of this letter will have a different experience in the future. So he's a big believer in America and the country's future, even though from time to time, it certainly has its moments. And so owning Berkshire, although it does have some ownership and companies headquartered outside the United States, it is basically a large cap U.S.-based investment. And so an investment in Berkshire is very much a bet on the future of America. So seventh and final thing, he uh, talked about his business partner, Charlie Munger, and he did something that at least I haven't seen him do in the past. I don't recall him doing this. Is He, he included in the letter a lot of quotes from Charlie. I'm not going to read them all. I highly recommend it to you. Um, again, I'll link to it below this video. But one that stood out to me was this. He, uh, this is, again, this is Warren Buffett's letter quoting Charlie Munger. He says, you have to keep learning if you want to become a great investor. When the world changes, you must change. And I really like the first part of that, perhaps more than the second. Sometimes when I think the world changes, maybe you don't have to change. It just depends on what the change is. But I do think a constant attitude of curiosity and learning helps as an investor. Frankly, it helps in just about uh, any area of life. I think being confident about something is a good thing. But being certain, being, being so certain that you close your mind off to learning new things, I don't think that's a good thing. And in fact, when I hear, particularly in the world of money, and those folks that manage money, maybe they run mutual funds, hedge funds, when I hear them and they talk, and it's as if they can never be wrong, that to me is a huge red flag. And when I feel myself having those thoughts, I want to remind myself, no, no, Rob, you need to stay curious. Certainly have beliefs and have your values and have confidence in what you're doing, but don't get too sure of yourself and always keep an open and curious mind. So there you go. Those were my big seven takeaways from the newsletter. Again, I'll link to it below this video. If you had other uh, interesting insights from the letter, why don't you leave them in the comments below? That would be great. Until next time, remember, the best thing money can buy is financial freedom.